Hi, my name is Phil Metzger, and in 1992, I moved to Moscow, Russia. From there, I lived in the beautiful Central European country of Hungary, where my family and I spent the next 20 years living, learning, and sharing about Jesus. Different foods, culture, and language, but underneath it all, we discovered the most amazing people. We learned that to share the gospel effectively, we had to adjust. We had to cross cultures. Now we're back in the U.S. and we're discovering that this country is a melting pot of culture. This show is committed to helping Christians connect to those who think, believe, and live differently than them. This is Crossing Cultures. Thank you for joining us in our part two of In God We Trust. In fact, let me just say this. If you haven't watched or listened to part one, stop and go back because this is where Nick and I had a conversation uh, months before the podcast even came out. And as we were re-listening and re-watching that, we realized it would be so relevant and important to include into this podcast. So this is part two of In God We Trust. Enjoy it. Somebody asked this question. What's your response to the person who asks, why does or did God allow racism to exist? If God's so loving, and maybe I'll start with that because it's a, it's a good theological question as well, but I'd, I'd love to hear your... You can fix it. That's what we said. Like, I'll start and then you can close. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we have to remember that we should never forget. And this is where the conflict, it's where I understand the conflict between my life as a Christian and my existence as an American. Is It started way earlier. My life as a Christian who's now filled with the Holy Spirit and, and really seeing God work in my life and dealing with the sin that exists in my life, right? I mean, I hope that I'm not the person I was 10 years ago. If I'm in Christ, that's, the, that's where we're going, right? We're going towards being not perfect people, but sanctified people. But we have to remember that in the world that we live in, the world we, and I'm not, this is not about others. I'm talking about the whole thing. Adam sinned and all have sinned since then. We live in a world that has been perverted by sin, which means things exist that should never exist in God's kingdom and will never exist in God's kingdom. But because God loves us so much, he's given us the, the will made in his image to choose him or to not choose him. God can't say, I love you, but you will follow me, and then make you follow him, and then still say, but I love you. I can't lock my wife up and then say, man, we have a wonderfully loving relationship. And, and yet, you know, she's a prisoner. It doesn't work that way, right? So God's given us this fruit, but we live in a world that is fallen. And because of that, things like racism exists. Sexism exists. There are, and, and I, you know, like I hear you say that about the eight and a half minutes. I think of all these cases that were, you know, Amud Arbery, it just, it crushed me. And then I thought about the Lord. I mean, I couldn't do it too long because it's like, oh, dang, that's just terrible. All over the world, like we're hearing two injustices. What about what's happening in that like little home in Afghanistan? And those high rises in Budapest. And the neighborhood just down the street, I mean, just try to, try to let yourself go to that level. If that doesn't crush you, I don't know what will, right? So we live in a world that has fallen. We are being sanctified, but we live in a fallen world. 
But let me bring this into this kind of a narrative, though. It's a fair question as well. It's like, you didn't experience that really growing up too much. But it's a part of your culture. <laughs> and does it create a bitterness in you towards God? Again, again, no. Yeah, good. Um, and I think my, the reason is because, like you said, it's any bad thing. Like, why, why do, essentially, why do bad things exist? You know, and for me, it, it is about that, this idea that God set it up so that we had to choose him. Mm-hmm. You know, and like there's significance if you think about that. And, for example, why it's significant that you chose joy, right. you know, because there are many other women. Well, maybe not you, but <laughs> you, there are technically other women on earth that you right. could have chosen. Right. <laughs> but the fact that you right. selected specifically that, you know, what you love about this one person right. makes the relationship significant. Right. You know, God wants that from us. He doesn't, that's why he doesn't force us to, to follow him because he's just, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to just create that. He wanted us to genuinely look at him and realize why we should be so in love with him and so enamored by what he, what he is and how he treats us and how he loves us. Um, so for that reason, if that's the beautiful picture that we have access to, I think that you have to have a reciprocally, reciprocally ugly picture right. just as a natural consequence. Right. You know, if, if you're going to choose something that's significant, that means that you have to leave things that are not. Choosing things that are beautiful means that you have left things that are not. Mm. Um, so when we choose things out of our rejection or lack of awareness of what, what, who, what and who God is, we naturally are left with the things that are not of God, which include abuse, racism, mm-hmm. injustice, sin, just sin of all types. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, yep. I don't know if that's theologically fine. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and to be clear, she said yes. So I was just oh. like, I just got lucky. Like I, I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this, like, and I've had conversations with with quite a few people in this last couple of weeks on who, like, many people. There's a whole generation of people that lived through the civil rights movement. White, black, brown, doesn't matter, you know, live through that season. And they've seen America take great strides in the right direction. And it can be kind of hard to look at right now, like, why is everybody so upset? It's better than it used to be, right? Which is kind of like a, and it is. It is way better than it was 60 years ago, right? So how would you say to someone in that situation who's like, I feel like we've come so far, which we have, which I think, you know, rational minds are going to say, yeah, we've definitely come further than slavery, if that was the standard. But why is this important now? Yeah. That's a great question. I'd, and I can understand that, or not understand, I can imagine that sentiment of, you know, having lived through all the atrocities that took place probably at a more frequent rate more out in the open and more maybe endorsed and backed by the masses in society. Um, But I think it's just really honoring the work that has been done and realizing that just because a lot of work was done doesn't mean that anything was finished, you know? And so just doing our part to continue to make sure that the world does truly reflect on earth as it is in heaven, Mm -hmm. you know? Because if it doesn't look like that, then we still got work to do. Um, So. Hmm. Somebody wrote this in and it's kind of, I think, in the form of a question because it's kind of gone around a lot among Christians when it's like, this is an issue of sin, not skin. 
Have you seen that or heard that? It's like there's a lot of Christians using that kind of phrasing. This is about sin and not skin. And uh, I think it's a, it's a kind of a, there's a, there's a double edge to that. It's kind of like a backhanded slap a bit in the sense that it's, it's easy to say all things are sin, but it manifests itself in certain ways, right? So, um, so when we say that, like we have to be careful as Christians to not minimize an issue to, by generalizing it so much. Oh, it's just a sin issue. And the, because the context of that is like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you know, I lie to my wife, I lie to Joy, and then I, and then I come to her and say, oh, honey, I'm, I'm sorry, it's just a sin thing. It's not specific enough to bring healing, and it's an excuse rather than a... So when I, I think we have to be careful that we don't say it's sin, not skin, and make it an excuse, you know, and usually the person saying that has never had a skin issue. <laughs> Right? You haven't had a skin issue, so it's easy to be like, well, biblically, it's a sin thing. Let me just say to this, and I, I want to bring you in on this as well. There's a reason why we are not saying all lives matter. I want to be clear on this because I, I think it's so important. It's a general statement that is 100% true. Every human being matters. Every human being matters. But it is not, it, it is actually the opposite of embracing an empathetic response to hurting people in a moment. And I've heard this analogy, I've heard like 20 analogies used to describe it, you know, so different. The, the, the one that I love so much is like if, if Joy came to me hurting and said, do you love me? And I said, I love all women. <laughs> There's so many problems with that statement. There's so many problems. Oh, honey, or, or let me be more like biblical. I love all people. God wants me to love everybody. I did nothing to help in that moment. And people are using that phrase as an excuse to still being unsympathetic to people that are hurting in this moment. Oh, but, you know, my aunt's hurting and she's not black. I'm so sorry for your aunt's. There's a moment that we're in nationally that you should, I, I have no problem. I've said it and I've been beat up and I'm so happy to. Black lives matter. That's not a movement or a political statement. You matter. Your, your wife matters more to me. But, you know, we know that, right? Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? Do not get sucked into the political concepts and movement ideas that people want. To say that means you're a part of a movement. No, it doesn't. It's okay to look at my friend and to say, dude, I am sorry for what's happening. We have to not use Christian kind of generic statements thinking we've like just dropped the gavel on the conversation. Somebody says black lives matter and I say, well, all lives matter. Boom, mic drop. It's not helping bring healing and I'm supposed to, to the Jew, become a Jew. To the weak, I become weak so as to reach that person. We have to be clear as Christians. Now, if all of that bothers you, here's what I would say, and I'm not thinking it probably doesn't bother any of you, but 
if any of you or your friends are bothered by that, you have to stop and think, am I thinking too much like an American and not like a Christian? Because as a Christian, it's okay to say these things because I, I want to value human beings. You got something to say to yeah, that? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's so true. It's almost like, you know, the, the victim in a particular crime needs to say what happened to them the right way yeah. to get any type of attention for the justice that's required. Right. You know, so you have to present your case properly yeah. for me to feel bad for you, to be able to help you to do something. You know, it's, mm -hmm. just, it's just like, it's just really a twist of the conversation. Um, it's, it's not productive, obviously. Um, and I think it's, it's just, th that's what I meant in the beginning, talking about conversations, a listening posture. That's not listening. You know, if you think that I'm talking about amplifying a skin color, then we're just, that's a complete miss of what the conversation's even about, um, you know? So, yeah, I, th I mean, you did a good job. Good job. Thanks, bro. Hey, somebody asked, how did you, uh, somebody asked, how did you get out of your circumstance? You, you said you grew up in the, like, stereotypical hood. How did you get out? Uh, so my and what case, does it even mean to get out? Because we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, get out. So that's, fun. that's a good question. I've never put words to it, but essentially it means get into a safer neighborhood and make money. Is what get out means, literally. <laughs> but um, I got out through sports, essentially. It wasn't planned, but my mom was really big on education because Milwaukee uh, public schools are, are some of the worst in the country and in some of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the country. And so she sent us to a private school so we could actually get an education. Oh. And then through that, you know, I started playing sports and I ended up getting a scholarship to Northwestern, which was another, a whole another cool diversity, like, you know, bomb in my life of going to a school with that many international students and such a high level private school, um, but still playing football. And so I think I got out in, in one of the ways that you always hear, like on TV, you have to be an entertainer or you have to be an athlete. And I ended up being an athlete. Um, that's how I got out. I remember you, t you told me your mom said you can either go get a job or go play sports. Right. And to end that, you're not just going to wear out my couch. That's what she said. So. Get to work or, yeah, just get out. Go do something. And I think, too, Phil, I wanted to touch back yeah, on please. what you were asking about that Black Lives Matter and, you know, this way to skirt spiritual accountability almost. It's like this thought crossed my mind, and I, I know it's, pro it's probably going to sound a little rough, but I feel like it genuinely has a, a place in this moment where, you know, I got this tattoo recently, and it just, it's a lion defeating a snake, about to give the death blow to a snake, so it signifies, in my mind, the victory, it's a reminder of the victory that we already have, you know, like Jesus is delivering the death blow to the enemy, and we just need to be able to live our lives in victory, and so I'm thinking we're victorious. We can proclaim that. And so our life is not about trying to win. Our effort is not for, for trying to overcome necessarily. Um, but if we are already victorious, why don't we feel like we're winning as a church? You know? And so I'm like, thought keeps going. Jesus already said that even the gates of hell won't overcome the church. He's the head of the body. So who is responsible for the malfunctions? We're the only ones left in the equation. Exactly. Hell cannot beat us when we activate into our power source. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, dang. We have not lost. We cannot lose. We can't even show up and play bad enough to lose. 
It's literally just about participating in what's been set up for us. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So we, we aren't the problem. I am the issue. I am 100% the issue. Nobody else to blame. Devil's done. Jesus is Jesus. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? We're so victory. Yeah, so anything that you see in the body that's not working right, it's about these, this idea that, you know, sin is it's not skin. Like, if, if you're worried about the semantics of how I tell you there's an issue that we are a part of being the answer for, that's exactly why we have a problem. Yeah, I was, re- I, I was reading this too. Um, one of my favorite like theologians who is a part of a movement they call, it's called Liberation Theology. And it's really, really great stuff. And his name is Esau McCulley. And he wrote this, he teaches it, I think it's at, he's at Wheaton. He said, do people honestly believe that thousands of Bible-believing black Christians running around saying black lives matter are card-carrying members of the BLM organization? Or are we simply making a theologically true statement and he goes on to say the idea of saying or of believing that a black life matters came from God and some organization stole it and is using it for their mm-hmm. movement but we own that and I think there's so many things that are in the world that like we own first you know that we, it's ours and then we kind of don't value it it's user error and then it gets kind of taken up by somebody else in a kind of an ungodly way. But we owned those things in the beginning. Um, somebody, uh, just sticking to this, somebody asked the question like, yes, black lives matter and they should and, have, and they should always matter. The organization is not what they seem to be. And I believe America is reaping what they have sown when it comes to these issues. You know, I think that, I don't, I'm not sure if there's a the question in there, but the statement is, you know, again, we just want to remember, we don't speak for an organization. Don't want to speak for an organization. Not a part of an organization. I'm not a part of any organization. Uh, we are citizens and ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And when I'm saying we, I'm not thinking of me and Nick. I'm thinking of you, too. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. I love what you just said on that, like, we already have victory in Christ. We, we just need to move in obedience. So don't get hung up on organizations. and Because movements will come and movements will go. But the value of human life is, is always, that's always God's heart. Right? I think, too, just touching us on the idea of, you know, being weary of something that maybe isn't what it purports itself to be. I mean... I get that. I mean, I definitely get that. Just, you know, not trusting anything at face value, especially these like highly political, politically charged um, ideas. But also, again, if, it, if you're finding yourself, if we're finding ourselves spinning so much about something that doesn't sit with us necessarily perfectly spiritually that we do nothing, then we are probably having an error in our processing. Right. Do you see what I mean? If it doesn't spin me up to try to get to do an activity that's more true than what I'm seeing, then if it's just spinning me back to sitting and wearing out my mom's couch. And your mom doesn't want you uh, back on the couch. I have been been knocked out of the game. Right. Do you see what I mean? So, yes, you can be 100% certain that everybody in this building is not offering probably what they show everybody in public. Does that mean you don't come to this building anymore and you don't trust Phil anymore? 
Maybe. But is that helping you in what you feel like God is asking you to do with your life? And you, you have to answer that. It's, it's very personal, the systematic adjustments that are going to need to happen for the rest of eternity, by the way. Exactly. It's that, that's heaven preparation. Because right. for all of eternity, we will be learning. That, that says it all. We, we have to keep learning. Like, how could we ever assume to get something now and then, one day, and then be excited about a heaven that we won't like <laughs> if you don't want to learn now? You know, we have to be okay with like, isn't it like so much easier to just start on the premise that the Bible already says that we're all guilty? If you just start there, you don't have to try to validate yourself. Oh, but, and become defensive. And I, I didn't mean this and I don't mean, it's like, it's okay to just be like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Yeah, it's like, I think, you know, you can easily look at something and be like, well, I don't trust that. You know, I'm not yeah. going near that. But you could also look at something and say, I may not 100% trust it, but where's the truth of God in it? that I can get behind or maybe I don't have to be a part of it or whatever you want to say, join anything, but just, okay, I can definitely see that something that is true about what God wants to do here is happening there mm. or is being said there. And then how can I apply it again to wherever I feel led to? Mm. You know, we're, we're like spending the last few weeks just talking about love on Sunday mornings and, you know, I didn't plan to be there right now in these moments but I think the Lord knew what he was doing in that and you know it's like I had somebody you know I had somebody kind of I think they were thinking it would like make me sad or whatever they not from here but like somebody else saying to me like you're just trying to be a social justice warrior now you know like that's the new they said SJW I was like I only JW I'm not a JW like I'm and then I didn't know what they meant yeah so I had to get it stinks when somebody insults you and you have to get clarification on what it means, right? And uh, it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't get the, I didn't get the term. And, you know, and, the, and, the, and the, their, 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 their period mark in this was this. Just preach the gospel and teach the Bible. And my response to them was, that's exactly what I'm doing. The value of human life is God became a man to reach humanity. That's the gospel. How in the world? I mean, if Jesus is the original justice warrior, if you want to call it like that, right? I mean, it, it, it's insanity to me. Like, if my Christianity cannot move beyond the walls of a building, then I don't believe what I say I believe. Period. I can't, oh, what a great message. But then, you know, I will never, like, you, we are so infected with our national identity and our Christian identity it's a split personality rather than, than letting your Christian faith overwhelm your national identity. We have got to let that happen. And by the way, I've been, I, this is not something that I'm just stepping into. I am stepping into this when it comes to the issue of race. But when it comes to, I mean, we spent 20 years learning how to reach people who think different than I, and I want to introduce you to the rest of your life. That's the rest of your life. People don't think the way you do. Oh, but we're all Americans. Doesn't work like that. By the way, most of them probably aren't near you. How many of us identify on so many different cultural levels? We have got, if, if, the, if what we learn on Sunday morning doesn't work in my relationships with my friends, something's broken. And I love what you said on there. It's me. Something's broken in me. 
And it's so easy to accept that when you accept the Bible. It's hard to accept that when you accept the idealism of an American dream. It's not what the Bible said. The Bible says we're all broken. America says you can be whatever you want. That's a great dream. No problem with that. But the Bible says you're broken and going to hell. Those two things are conflicting. And you got to just accept, we got to accept the one that is true. So um, we're, I want to be done here. Um, not because I want to be done talking to you, but whatever. We did call and match. We tried to match. No, we didn't, but... Um, I think I just want to touch yeah, on that please, real yeah, fast. Please say it, but just the idea question, of, yeah. you know, I guess not not talking about social justice so you can preach the gospel. And it's like, yeah. what was the gospel yeah. besides activity? Yeah. You know, like it, the good news was that someone did something to change what was happening or to change a potential outcome. Yeah. You know, so I was like, there's no disconnect, I believe, but between interjecting yourself in a situation that's not going the way it should be, that is the central So it's the other way around. Again, it's yeah. seeing it as like, I'm not jumping on a social issue. The gospel is correcting, you know, like it says in the kid books, like making all the unhappy things or making all the sad things untrue. Like mm. that's what the gospel literally is, putting yourself in the story and flipping the end. And I, I think we can, I want to make sure you, any last thoughts you want to have. Um, you know, I like I look at all these all your little kids, sweetest little babies in the whole world, and I think like what what would I want them like as a as a as a person who's going to be a different color than they are as they look at me, what do I want them to see? Like what do I want them when they're running around in our playground and you know just being all cute? What do you like when they look at not not the other kids because that works out. Because kids are amazing. But when they see somebody in authority, what do I want them to, you know, like I'm trying to, like I want to be that Christian that they could look at and say like, I had people who treated me, you know, hopefully it'll never happen in their lifetime, but, but the, the church, the Christians, man, I, I didn't even like, I would love it if your kids grew up like I never knew those things. That's the kind of church we should want to be, Right? Where, like, it's so about Jesus that it's not we're, not, we're not ignoring race. I think that's a huge problem. Like, I'm colorblind. No, you're not. You might, I mean, you might be, but he's black and I'm white. And the acknowledging of that is our respect. When I just say, oh, I'm colorblind, I'm not acknowledging a big part of who you are. But you're more than just that, right? So how do you, you know, you got, all, you got all these, I mean, five and counting, I guess. I don't know. I don't know where we're at with that. But, <laughs> and where he's going to kill me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what are, what are your hopes? Like, when, like, we got all these little kids running around, these beautiful little Filipino kids and white kids and Mexican kids and, and black kids. And what's your hope for them as we want to leave something better than what we got it as? That's a big question, and yeah. I think that that's something, honestly, that we spend a lot, a lot of time talking about and thinking about in our house because, you know, like, Anna Marie's mixed, and so our kids are half black, they're Filipino, and they're white, you know? So, essentially, what all that we try to infuse to them is just this idea of kind of everything we've been talking about tonight. Like, there's, there's literally something in them that God wants to say to the world. 
and only he can show it to only he can show them what that is and to who it is to whom it is mm-hmm. um, but we just want them to understand that as fast as you can learn to hear what God is telling you mm-hmm. and learn to trust him enough and have enough courage to go and do it and that's you know that's that's literally it because the fact of the matter is I believe you know when it talks about what is it in the Old Testament when it says like his ways are higher than our ways like as high as the heavens are from the earth is like how, how differently God is from us. I, I have to believe that like my kids are closer to being on my level of understanding than I am to being on God's level of understanding. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? So I really don't want to detach the message I tell from my kids is too far from what I'm saying to, saying to myself. Mm-hmm. And it's really just about, man, what does God's voice actually sound like to you in your life? And what do you feel like is, what's the next thing that it's actually telling you? What's the next conversation he's asking you to have? Or the next thing he's asking you to learn or to leave or to start or to stop? And it's literally that step by step by step when you get to learn the clarity of his voice, the loving, you know, the lovingness of his voice, like the healing power of his voice. And you'll see along the way, I think it's a book by Christine Kane called Unstoppable where she talks about like your journey of, you know, the church word sanctification, but like your journey of God making you who he wants you to be is inevitably intersected with the needs of those he wants you to serve. Mm. And so you don't have to even worry about, oh, what am I going to devote my life to? To hearing what God asks you to do is the, is the answer. And then he will guide all of those minute decisions about where you need, where you are helpful, where you're used, where you're needed. Um, because he has set it up. Um, and even to go a level deeper, I would say specifically for us as adults, once we know our weaknesses, to truly activate in that part. Mm-hmm. Because there's something that I've noticed over the years. I, st- I do leadership coaching when I'm not at home with the kids doing dishes. And, but there's something about us as people. You know, like once we really get a good grip of like how we're helpful, like you know you're a communicator. You know, you're a servant and all these things. There's also something deep down inside of us, deep down inside of every one of us, that works directly against that thing that we just know that God really wants us to do or asks us to be like. Mm-hmm. And once we can learn to not run away from those weaknesses right. and really let God's strength be perfect there, mm-hmm. then not only will we see the effect that he wants us to have, but we'll also be able to see the supernatural take place. And we'll actually be able to have our minds blown because we know we didn't feel good about that spot in our lives. Mm-hmm. And God still did something through us. Mm-hmm. So we know 100% that God is real. He is powerful. He is active, alive, and working in the part where I don't even feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. You know? Made strong in our weakness. So, you know, and that's... So for our kids, that's what I hope. Wow. Brother man, thank you for doing this. Thanks, man. This is... So good. So important. And uh, you want to close us in a word of prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for sticking with. We went a little longer. Um, he's, so, he's so calm, you know, and he used to crush people for a living. And now he's just so calm. And so <laughs> Should have brought my low light tape. Yeah. See how much I got crushed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's pray. Uh, Father, we just are thankful for this space, God, this moment. Um, the fact that you see everything that's happening, God. Mm-hmm. The fact that you know exactly what needs to happen. Um, the fact that you know every story that's in this room. And you know every desire that's in every heart. 
And Father, we just ask that for our desires that are not yet where yours are, God, that you would transform those. God, that you would help us to think, to learn things that change our thinking and change our beliefs so that they could be in line with the healing that you want to bring. God, that the power that you have through your spirit, that you would just wake us up in this moment, God, when we are um, learning new things every day in the news. God, that your good news would be the thing that seems like this brand new piece of information that we can take and run with today, God, and do something that looks just like what you would do if you were here on this planet, God. We thank you so much. Thank you for everybody here, every life. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for watching this episode of Crossing Cultures podcast. In fact, that was the last episode of season one. And I want to uh, thank you for those of you that have been watching and those of you that have been listening and encourage you to subscribe if you haven't already. And please stay tuned because very soon season two is going to be coming out. And in season two, I'm going to be focusing in on conversations with those uh, who are a part of the LGBTQ community. And we're going to be learning how to minister and to have conversations with people who live, believe, and think differently than we do. So stay tuned for season two. Thank you for listening to Crossing Cultures. If you found value in the show, do us a favor and leave a review on iTunes or simply share the episode with a friend. And make sure to hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. If you'd like to connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram at crossing.cultures.com.